0: Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, August 21st, 2022. Today's sermon is from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 to 28. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org. Click the current sermons link at the top and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. If you would, go ahead and turn, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to be there this week and maybe, I haven't decided yet, but Maybe a few verses more for next week. Um, The title of the sermon, as the same as last week, is The Most Beautiful Offering. So we're dealing with the sacrifice, mainly, of Christ. It is the preeminence of Christ in His priestly office. And So let me read verses 11 to the end of the chapter, and then we will pray and then get started. Chapter 9, verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls, of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant for where a will is involved the death of the one who made it must be established For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words from Hebrews 9 that are before us today. Father, we are here because of your great mercy and your grace towards us in Christ. Father, we are Christians, and that is why we gather And we pray in Jesus' name, because he is our great high priest, because of his one-time, excellent, sufficient sacrifice, Father, on the cross. So I pray, Father, that today he would increase, that by your Spirit that dwells within us, that our hearts would love Christ more and worship you in the face of Christ. Pray that he would increase, that we would decrease, Father, and as I always pray, Father, I am just a man, and I have my own sins, but I look unto Christ this morning, and Father, in spite of me, I pray that you would work greatly, Father, through the preaching and teaching of your word. I pray, Father, if someone is not a Christian, that today they would become one. So, Father, we we give you this time. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. As we've seen, the author is making the same argument in different ways in in the book of Hebrews. Namely, that Jesus, He is the fulfillment of all of God's promises in the Old Testament. The Old Covenant has come to an end, and through His priesthood, Jesus is now the mediator of a new covenant. Look at chapter 9, verse 15. He is the mediator of a new covenant. And this is why we sit here today as Christians. This is why in just a couple weeks again, and we always remember, but we remember the words of Jesus, this is my, this cup, is, this is the blood, this cup represents the new covenant in the blood of Christ. So chapter 9 is packed full. In fact, it, it, it goes back into eight, and it goes over into nine, and it's all together. So I'm not hitting every little thing, but we, if, you, as, if you've been sitting here week after week through Hebrews, it's all coming back around. And so <clears throat> this chapter is full. And last week, we looked at really two truths. One, the excellency of his sacrifice. And then two, the reach of the arms of God in this sacrifice to save us well today we're just going to continue those two and I have two more truths first one is the sufficiency of this sacrifice I'm not gonna spend a lot of time there because we're gonna come back to that we've already been there and it'll it'll over it'll go over into point into the second truth but we will spend just a moment there but the first truth is this the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice and then the the second truth is the effect. In other words, what does this sacrifice do for us as Christians today? So that's where we'll be second. So when I consider these truths, even just thinking about these things, I pull the words from Romans 11 verse 33. Paul says, Oh, the depth and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, when we think about the sacrifice of Christ. How unsearchable are His judgments How inscrutable are his ways. So, brothers and sisters, we need these truths today because they will help our souls know what Christ's sacrifice has done for us and how it reaches out to us. So, number one this morning, the sufficiency of his sacrifice. And again, this truth will be very brief. In this text, the author emphasizes, we've seen it over and over, the one Time offering of Jesus. He compares, as we've seen, the ongoing activity of the priests in the Old Testament as they took the blood of bulls and goats and went into the the, the tabernacle there and did their all of their work, and then entered the, the high priest entered into the holy of holies year after year after year, week after week, day after day. Everything that went into that sacrificial system was ongoing kept going, and then we get to Hebrews 9, and one of his main arguments is, now, the sacrifice of Christ is one time. One time. And so that's very important. Look at verses 11 and 12. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy places. Look at verse 25. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places year after year. And then verse 26 and following. But as it is, he has appeared once, once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin, by the sacrifice of himself and just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment so Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many and by the way we're probably gonna be there next week but these verses all point to the fact that Jesus came and died one time look over at chapter 10 verse 10 part of the verse here says and by that Will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all? Then chapter 10, verse 14. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And then I will just read 1 Peter 3.18. And we'll see this in other places besides Hebrews, but just one verse this morning. 1 Peter 3.18. Peter says, For Christ also suffered once. For sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God oh what beautiful words of our Lord Jesus on the cross when he said what did he say right before he died it is finished it's John 19 30 so in his death this one-time sacrifice Christ has fulfilled and he has replaced all of those sacrifices Under the old covenant in under mosaic law and what follows is the efficiency of this most beautiful offering in other words what is what follows this is the rest of our time today we're gonna be looking at what that death does for us as we sit here today as Christians and hear from Romans 9 so that was the first truth the sufficiency and again it follows over into two but there was a one-time sacrifice So second truth this morning, the effect of his sacrifice. Okay, so that's our truth. How does it affect you? What happens? So under this truth, though, I have two truths. Okay, I can't do this without having at least two. I had three and I had to cut it out because of time. But I have two just today of the effect of Christ's sacrifice for us. First one is this. Jesus' sacrifice purifies a guilty conscience. We all have consciences. And so we're going to talk about that and how the death of Christ purifies our conscience. So that's the first truth under there. The second one is this. Jesus' sacrifice takes away our sins and purifies us. And so we'll get there. But <clears throat> the first thing, Jesus' sacrifice purifies a guilty conscience. Brothers and sisters, Jesus offered himself... As a sacrifice. Let's think for a moment about sacrifices in the world. If you go back and you read the history of religion from as far back as we could read about any book, eventually you're going to get to the idea of sacrifice. It goes back to the beginning of history. Every culture has their form of sacrifices. And we might even say that even today, you're sacrificing your time to be here but we're talking more about the sacrifice of somehow trying to appease God. And so if you go back and you think about all the sacrifices in the history of the world, some are bloody, some are not. Because there are other, other there, there, there are foods and, and all kinds of other things offered up to God. Animals are sacrificed. Meals are sacrificed. For thousands of years, this has been the case in every culture. So my question for us is, why? Why have cultures sacrificed these animals and these other offerings they've offered up to God? Why is it so prevalent in all cultures? Why do people feel the need to sacrifice to to God or to someone else? Well, the answer is simple. It is a guilty conscience. This is the effect of the fall of Adam, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so it comes down to all of us. Instead of law keepers, we are law breakers. And this is our nature. We have fallen from the glory of God. Each of us has gone astray to our own ways and we look to our own interests. we, we, most of the time, we look to our own interests, when we, even when it comes to our own families. And then, when it, certainly when it comes to God, we look to our own interests. And that's what the world does. And so when we consider this fact, what happens with our conscience? When we think about how, well, let me just keep going. What happens if you steal something? What happens if you commit adultery? What happens if you deceive someone, or you lie to someone, or you, or you, or you just don't tell the truth? What happens if you, if you murder someone? Well, you might say this morning, well, I've not done any of those things, which I don't think you could say that, but even if you could, then I would say, as Jesus says, look to your heart. Jesus says, if you think evil, of your neighbor, you've done what? Committed murder where? In heart. If you've looked at a woman with lust, or looked at a man with lust, where have we committed the adultery? It's in our heart. And because of these things, which we cannot see, and the things which we can see, all of us have a guilty what? I mean, when I I think of conscience, I just point in my head, because we just can't it's a mystery, okay? We, we can't just point to the comp- conscience. And, and there's a lot more I could say about the conscience. But the reason that we feel this way is because of our conscience. It's guilty. I think of, some of you may not have read the books or seen the movie, but, it, but one of my favorite movies is The Voyage of the Dawn Trader. And uh, I think of this, the, the one little British boy there who <clears throat> is very naughty. His name is, is Eustace. And the cousins are always upset with him because he's always mischievous. He's always arguing. He's always looking after his own interest. And then he gets pulled into the story, and off they go, <coughs> into the picture, into the wall, into the ocean, and there they are on the ship. And Eustace is still upset and mad, and he wants all he wants to do is get mad at people and write what is contrary to that which is good, this, this little boy. And so eventually, Eustace gets turned into a dragon, and they don't know it's Eustace until somehow or no, they communicate that Eustace as a flying, fire-breathing dragon communicates to them, writes it down, I think in the sand or whatever. I'm Eustace, because he had been changed into a dragon. And I, and I remember him putting that bracelet on and it was stuck on his arm. But he kept trying to get it off and he kept scratching his skin. And I think that's a picture. He's trying to get it off. The guilty conscience. And eventually, Aslan changes him back and has the talk. And then his conscience is no longer guilty because he is a a forgiven boy. But I think of of that. But all of us have this guilty conscience. So let let me ask some more questions. What happens to our conscience as we consider a holy God? What happens to our conscience when we think about all the Old Testament laws that we have broken? And then we move to the New Testament, and Jesus looks at the heart, and we go, "Whoa! nobody's really seen the, the things that I've broken because it's down to the heart. Again, uh, we, we get away with a lot um, that people don't see, and we all know that. I, I do the same. We, you do the same in your homes, and and, and, and even things that your family doesn't know about you, there are things of the heart that people don't see, but God sees them all. But when we think about those, when you think about that, when you lay your head on your pillow at night, and you think about all of those things, what does your conscience say? Well, when we think about the perfect sacrifice of Christ, by faith in Jesus and His one-time sacrifice, And as we think about all of the the big chasm that is between us and God, the enmity between us and God, that which once separated us, if you are in Christ today, that is gone. The Bible says, by his stripes you are healed. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. And so, I guess what I'm saying is, the sacrifice of Christ for those who put their trust and faith in Christ, who sacrificed himself, and we're going to get to our sins being taken away in a moment. But something happens because of that death for those who have faith in Christ. I remember my own conversion as I grew up in the church. And I grew up and then went off to college and went my own way for a couple years. And and some of you in here know what I was like before. All that time I still made profession, but I was not a Christian because my conscience was guilty and I knew it. Well... Make a long story short, when I trusted Christ, there in my bedroom, all by myself, knowing what the Bible taught about the gospel, reading the book of Revelation, at that time, all I can say, just from my own experience in that regard, is when Christ saved me, my conscience was no longer guilty. It was changed. And the peace of God flowed down to me in ways that, that, that those of you who are Christians know what i'm talking about if you're not a christian then you don't know what i'm talking about and i I, and i would say that your conscience when you lay your head on your pillow at at night is still it drives you crazy look back at chapter 9 verse 9 when we compare the sacrifice of jesus with those under the old covenant here's what we read according to that arrangement Gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. But they deal only with food and drink and various washings and regulations for the body imposed until the time of the Reformation. Now look at verse 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offered himself without blemish to God purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Do you see the offering? The sinless Son of God, the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God who comes down from heaven, nothing else will do when we compare those Old Testament sacrifices. And in the most mysterious exchange, which we talk about often, Christ on the the cross takes our sin upon himself. (laughs) We give him our sin. He gives us his righteousness. And he takes all of our sin upon himself. So let let me point something out. When your sin goes upon someone else and it is taken away, what happens to your conscience? It all of a sudden becomes free. And peaceful and this is what Christ does he gives us his righteousness and then our conscience is free from guilt this is why even the good works of the world are not acceptable to God have you ever thought about that because there are and I'll just be honest there are people out there that are not Christians who have in many ways better works than us, than not just us, that's a general statement, than Christians in general. Their works, as far as the world is concerned, are greater and better in many ways, but they are not Christians, because they have not believed on the Lord Jesus. And so they're, they're, who they are is not covered. So their works are not covered by the blood of Christ. They are dead works. They still have a, a guilty conscience and their works are still unacceptable to god and yes if we think about us today you might say well i still sin well of course we do we all sin and that's for sure and we're but as those who have been forgiven by the grace and mercy of christ and as we look unto his sacrifice the consequences of our sins can still be very 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 great but at the end of the day what do we do By faith, we remember our Lord's death. We remember His sacrifice, that His sacrifice has covered our sins. And so that's what we do as Christians, and that's why God accepts our works. So as a Christian, before we move on to this next part, consider what Christ's sacrifice accomplishes for you this morning. Your sins are removed your conscience is cleansed, you are justified, you're now a son or a daughter in the heavenly family, you are now confident, which we'll get to that, that's our application at the end, you're confident as you approach God. You're reconciled to God, you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, you are sanctified, set apart, you are cleansed, you have newness of life in the resurrection of Christ, You've been redeemed from the power of Satan. You have victory over the world. You no longer have fear of death, but instead have escaped judgment. And finally on resurrection day, you will rise with Christ, where your eternal inheritance will be realized fully in the new heaven and the new earth. And all of this is because of this one-time beautiful sacrifice of our great high priest the Lord Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, let's move on to another effect. Okay? So the first thing there is that the death of Christ takes care of that guilty conscience. But there's something else that I want to point out. Actually, two things. Jesus' sacrifice also takes away our sin and makes us clean. So that's where we're at for this second truth. Takes away our sin and makes us clean. And those go together. Well, let's begin with the taking away of our sins. Think about that for a moment. Probably the most famous verse I quote often is Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, what does he do? So far has he thrown our transgressions away. And we can't keep throwing it that far. The point is they're, they're thrown away. Well, Let me give you a theology exam this morning. What is the theological term? When God takes away our sins, probably said it a few times in my preaching, but the point is he's taken them away. But What would be a theological term? I would say expiation. He expiates. He takes away our sins. Simply put, our sin problem has been taken away on the cross. God has laid on him, as we read last week, Isaiah 53, he's laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, there's also the, the other term there might be propitiation, but we're not dealing with that in this text. We're dealing with God taking away sins. Propitiation has to do with God's relationship to us, the offering to God, taking away his wrath. But We're not talking about that so much. Now, we're taking, talking about taking away Sins. My point is that in the cross of Christ, our sins are taken away. Because of this, we are justified. So God doesn't no longer look at you and your sin; He looks upon the person and work of His Son. Therefore, now, if you are a Christian, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because your sins have been taken away. But there's more in this passage. That's the taking away. What about the cleansing? Because if we're going to go to heaven, we need to not just have our sins taken away, we need to be cleansed as well. We must be set apart as holy, we must be made clean. So, in the context of urging his readers to holiness, Peter says this You yourselves are living stones. And you are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is the great doctrine of sanctification. Now, we see this pictured, these two things, it's taking away of sins. Now stick with me here for a minute, because this is where, we're, where he's making his pictures in the text. Taking away of sins and being cleansed, okay? So, he gives us two very clear pictures of the taking away of sins and the cleansing. And so, we see these. If you go back to verse 12, he mentions first the blood of bulls and goats. So, let me ask when you think about these, these, these sacrifices of, of bulls and goats during the time of the tabernacle in the temple, what kinds of sacrifices were these animals? Well, they were, if you go back and read the Old Testament, they were. Sin offerings. They were guilt offerings. So these particular goats and, and bulls and those types of animals were particularly dealing with sin and guilt, very clearly. And there was the emphasis on the shedding of their blood and the death of those animals, although we know that did not ultimately appease God. We'll get to that later. But... In verse 13, we see a a different kind of sacrifice than the blood of bulls and goats. What do we see? We see a red heifer. Have you ever heard about the red heifer in the Old Testament? Well, this is it. Because look at look at verse 14. Excuse me. Excuse me, 13. We see the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer. And if you go down to verse 22, that's why it says, under the law, almost everything's purified by blood. Well, with the blood of bulls and goats, had to deal with sin and guilt. But with the red heifer, there was the sprinkling. Okay? What happens when you sprinkle something that's dirty? Well, the water runs down and they get cleaned or cleansed. So, when we think about this particular sacrifice, with the heifer, it is not called an offering but instead it's called a sprinkling. Now it was an offering of course but it's called here a sprinkling and so the author of Hebrews is making a point. Not only do your sins need to be taken away, you also need to be cleansed and so numbers 19 if you go back and read that a red heifer would be sacrificed then its its blood would be sprinkled towards the tabernacle lots went on there but then they would burn the entire sacrifice and they would take its ashes along with some other things cedar wood, hyssop, scarlet yarn and then they would keep it in a place all of the burned ashes and <clears throat> and then they would keep it beside some water then what they would do well, they would mix that water together and when a Hebrew, an Israelite, were to do something that made them unclean. For example, I mean, we often have death in our families, in our immediate families, in our not so distant families, and there's always the, the, the bodies that are there. And so people died. And so when an Israelite were to touch or come into the same room or the same house with a dead body, they were unclean. And so they didn't have to go back and do all of this other stuff in order to be clean from from such a thing, because God knew that was just a normal part of life, but yet they were unclean. But they could go to get this special water mixed with the ashes of the heifer, and they would sprinkle it there on them, then wait till the end of the day, then they were purified. They would be clean. So with this in mind, the author of Hebrews is showing that the one-time sacrifice of Christ functions in, in both ways taking away of our sins, and the cleansing of us. So brothers and sisters, as the mediator of a new covenant, Jesus' death on the cross and then his resurrection does in one single sacrifice. This is very important. It goes back to our truth, first truth. One single sacrifice, what all the sin and guilt offerings, as well as all the offerings of the The purification offerings, what every single one of them did, Christ did it all in one single sacrifice. As we've seen back in the Old Testament, they were never finished. They continued around the clock year after year. They were of this world. They carried out their tasks in the earthly tabernacle. And in and of themselves, they could never take away sins. Nor could they purify or make a people clean. And now, because of the death of our Lord and his resurrection and his ascension to the Father, he now does what to us? He pours out his Holy Spirit to us who makes us clean. That is why I often quote this, 2 Corinthians 5, I think it's 17, that whole passage there. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So today, if you are a Christian, your sins are taken away, and you are clean, and you have the Holy Spirit, and now you are a new creation in Christ. Do you remember Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus? What did he say? Nicodemus, this great teacher of of the Old Testament, came to Jesus. They all knew he was a teacher, a good one, came to Jesus by night. It's like Jesus... What do I need to do? Because he realized Jesus was teaching something different than what he was teaching. What do I must do? Well, he, well Jesus says, you must be born again. Well, he's, he's saying something must happen from above. But after he tells him he must be born again, he says, hey, man, I'm just, this is me paraphrasing. Nicodemus, don't you know what the scriptures are teaching? You've had the Old Testament all these years. And what does Jesus say to him? He teaches the idea of cleansing. He says, Truly, truly, Nicodemus, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So he could have said more, but he was focusing on the cleansing part. Water pictures cleansing. When you take a bath, what happens? Well, you, you want to take a mama bath, okay? You want to really get clean. You get clean when you pour the water on you. So this is why the author is saying, bringing up this red heifer with the sprinkling there. He's saying the, the one-time sacrifice of Christ also doesn't just take away your sins, but also purifies, cleanses you like a bath, but not an earthly bath, a heavenly bath. I think of Titus chapter 3, one of my most favorite verses that I use over and over again when it talks about regeneration and conversion and what happens to a person when they get saved. Well, here it is, Titus 3, verse 4 and following. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness so I can imagine him thinking back to those old testament rites and sacrifice not those works that were done in obedience and righteousness but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Brothers and sisters, quick application. At the end of the day, if, you've, if your sins are taken away and you're trusting in Christ and you have the Holy Spirit, then what will happen to you over time? You will be different. You will live according to God's God's ways, God's commands. You will live according to this book. So for us today, what does this mean for us? It means that, that in Christ, if you are a Christian, you are washed clean. Your sins are always covered. In this way, we are always clean. If you think back to the old covenant it seems like if you want to picture it a little bit, they had a really good bath once a year. So <laughs> you think about it like that. But all the rest of the days, what do you think's going on there? They need a bath. They need a bath. Need a bath. But as they looked at the law of Moses, what do they do year after? I mean, week after week after week, to going up to the next year to the day of atonement, they racked up the sins. On and on they went. Can you imagine taking a bath only once a year and then that bath really the only could do is just wash the outside? Jesus tells the the Pharisees, you know, the outside of the cup looks really good, but the inside, you need that to be clean. Well, that's what the Old Testament things did. They, They washed the outside of the cup. They never got to the heart, which is the new covenant. Jeremiah 31, I will put my spirit within them. I'll write my law upon their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And so today, if you are a Christian in Christ, all of your sins are washed away, past, present, future. Now, let me just say, that doesn't mean that you sin more that grace might abound. I would question your salvation if that's the way you lived your life. Oh, I'll just, I know I'm sinning. It's okay. Christ covered my sins. If you have that mindset, you're in a very dangerous spot, for sure. But in Christ, in the new covenant, all of our sins are washed away. And even our hearts and our conscience is wiped clean, never to be corrupted or dirtied again. And this is what the law of Moses, with all of its sacrifices and all of its washings, could not do. It could never get to the heart. This is the new covenant. There is finally an effective application. There is in the death of Christ for us, taking away of sins and making us clean. So let me try today to end this sermon with just a couple applications. First application for us as Christians, if you're a Christian today, the death of Christ was final, it covers all of your sins. And by the giving of the Holy Spirit, your conscience is clean. There is an ongoing conviction of the conscience, of course, because of sins. But we are repentant and we look unto Christ and we look to his one-time sacrifice. Not all the sacrifices that were done in the Old Testament, not all the things. And I would think, again, one of the sacrifices people do is they, they come to church or they give their money. Or they do some good thing. Those are sacrifices. But if it's not done from a heart that has been cleansed, <clears throat> a guilty conscience turned into a, a free conscience, I would say that you're probably not a Christian. You're not a Christian. Under the old covenant, the work of the priests were never finished, they were continuous. So, can you imagine? Under that system, though, morning and night, week after week, month after month, and year after year, all the gifts, all the offerings, all the washings, all the regulations, all the proper wearing of clothing, all the things they did, all the killing of all those animals, and all the blood, blood everywhere, everywhere. Well, I think it sort of pictures what we see around us in the world. In other words, those who are not Christians... When we look around and see the world, there is no finality to their sins. They're always trying to cover them. They're just like Eustace. They're trying to do something to scratch it off, get it all. They're trying to get to the heart. That's why there's a guilty conscience when they lay their heads on their pillow at night. There is no finality. The conscience is always there. There is no rest. And, of course, Hebrew speaks a lot about rest in Christ. And let me say, too, that this should motivate us, and it must motivate us, the love of Christ in this sacrifice, to go out, to live differently, and to share with our mouths, to our neighbors, with our neighbors, and with those who we work with. And as we go, everywhere we go about, to do what? To share this this gospel, this sacrifice, to speak of him in this way. Well, that's one application. Final application. And we'll see this over and over. And I've done this one before a few times. But because of the sacrifice of Christ, you can boldly approach the throne of God. I think of King David. Let's go back for just a minute. We'll see this again more in chapter 10. But did you know, just hold David in your mind for just a second. Did you know that the sacrifices of those animals in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, did not cover all sins? Did you know that? It's a a bit of a mystery to me, but but at the same time it's not because it really, none of them covered sins anyway, all the sins anyway. But it covered unintentional sins. Go back and read that. Certain sins such as murder and adultery, things like that, high-handed sins in such a way, those sins were not covered under though that sacrificial system I think this is this is why Paul was so I can imagine his soul thinking about the gospel coming to Romans three when he speaks of Christ's death he says speaking of the cross this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over Former sins. He had to pass over former sins because all of them were not covered under that system. And so when I come back to David, what did David do? He murdered Uriah. He, had a, he, he, he was in an adulterous affair with <coughs> Bathsheba. He lied. This is King David we're talking about. I imagine that after that, I'm thinking of Psalm 51, go read it. David's thinking, those sacrifices from that from what I'm seeing, not covering them. And it's not covering them. But what did David do? He appealed to what, which is right from the beginning. Adam and Eve, the mercy of God. By the mercies of God, I appeal to you brothers, to present yourselves as living sacrifices. And so we come, we think about David, but we come to the New Testament for those who trust in Christ and his sacrifice now. David was not coming with great boldness from the same way we are. Even when they tied the rope around the, the, I don't know if that's true or not, but tied the rope around the the high priest and sent him into the Holy of Holies. They, They were coming with fear and trembling and all the people still couldn't go in there. Because it wasn't. Meant to cover their sins. Those were meant to be copies and shadows and pictures and types of that which is heavenly. So for those who trust in Christ now, we come with boldness. Why? Because of the excellency we saw last week and the reach of his sacrifice, the sufficiency, one-time act, and now the effects that our sins are taken care of, and now we are washed. This is the most beautiful sacrifice, and this illustrates what is new about the new covenant. Again, I will be their God. I will write, <clears throat> write my law upon their hearts. I'll put my spirit within them. So in ending this today, think about this offering. What an offering it is. What a sacrifice what a love. And this is the message that we believe. This is the message we live by, and this is the message we proclaim. And by God's grace, we will continue in that. And this is how David, and by, by the way, we think about Paul. He was a murderer, wasn't he? As he thinks back to the Old Testament law. He was the one behind all the murders of Christians their beginning, but this is why those folks and us today can be saved by the same sacrifice that he saves us even to the uttermost. Again, this is why murderers and adulterers and, and witches and atheists and those today who commit such sins can still be saved if they turn and repent and look unto Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words this morning. I know they were heavy. I know they may have been difficult, but I pray that if that there's something here that that we would take home and we would think about most of all, the great sacrifice of the Lord Jesus on the cross, one time sacrifice, takes away our sins and clean, cleanses us, Father. And there's 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 so much more, and I look forward to the, the, the verses coming, but today I pray that you would give us great grace to get these things and to leave now and to go out into the world and to make disciples as we go until we are able to meet again. And I pray that you would give us a great love for Christ. I pray that if someone is here and for the first time they heard the gospel, uh, Father, I pray that uh, you would just... Give them ears, give them them eyes to see they might turn and look unto Christ and be saved. So Father, we just give you this time and this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at nine thirty for fellowship and service starts at ten. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.